Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Chronically Mom podcast. I am your host, Michelle Pickens. This is your first time tuning in. Welcome. I am a mom of two with Crohn's disease. I share my journey of navigating IBD along with important conversations around chronic illness in general and mental health. You can follow along more of my day-to-day on Instagram at chronicallyblonde or chronicallyblonde.com. So I'm so excited about today's episode. The past couple weeks have been crazy. I've been traveling. We went to Orlando. My sister got married in Disney World. And then we stayed for a bit of time with uh, with the kids just to enjoy and have a vacation. I came back for about two days and then went off to Chicago to attend Digestive Disease Week. Um, it was my first uh, IBD or digestive disease conference that I've attended. Um, and it was absolutely incredible. Um, So follow along on Instagram um, and on my website. I'll be sharing some updates about that and hopefully having some guests on here as well um, to talk about some of the impactful research that's been, uh, been being done and presented. But today, in honor of Mother's Day, it's Mother's Day weekend, I wanted to have a conversation with one of the most influential people in my life, um, my mom, Diane Shenley. So she herself has Crohn's disease. She was diagnosed uh, shortly after I was. And her mom, my grandma, also had Crohn's disease. So in our conversation, we chat about that. We talk about just being a mom with children who are struggling with IBD and her overall experience. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation as much as I enjoyed having the conversation. Without further ado, let me introduce you to my mom, Diane Shenley. For coming on the podcast today, I really appreciate it. I know that you have a busy schedule. You're taking care of those grandchildren of yours. Which I love. And thank (laughs) you, my wonderful daughter, for having me on the podcast. Um, I'm very excited to be part of explaining my journey and your journey and how they interconnect. Yeah. And I'm, I am really excited for this episode because it, we were talking about it earlier. Um, it, it, although there is a potential hereditary component to IBD, it is really rare that there are families that have this much IVD going on. I mean, that we have, uh, a, my grandmother had, had Crohn's, my mom has Crohn's and then my sister and I have Crohn's. So I think we're able to provide an interesting family perspective, um, on, uh, having family members with IBD. And then also I'm one of three, um, my brother, uh, the same year that we were all diagnosed with Crohn's, he was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. He has two daughters and his oldest, who is now 18, she was diagnosed with colitis. I don't even remember how old she was, but she was quite young. Yeah. So it's, that's part of what got me more interested in learning about the hereditary or genetic component, because in my mind, it cannot just be a fluke that all of us are having this disease. You know, um, I think Marissa, Marissa called it my cousin, Marissa, who has colitis. She, uh, calls it the family disease. Yes. One of many, he says, yeah. <laughs> one of many, <laughs> um, a great sense of humor. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. To kick things off, um, let's jump into your story. So tell me a little bit about 
your journey to diagnosis, what that looked like for you. So I'm going to tell it chronologically. However, in my mind, um, this is not how exactly it happened in my realization Uh, that will make sense at some point. Okay. Um, So I remember I was, I'm going to say, I don't know, middle school-ish. And my mother came down to the family room one day and said, oh, we knew that she wasn't feeling well, but we really didn't know what it was at one point. I don't know if I told you this. She thought she was pregnant again. And I'm like, what? What? Anyway, so, and then she said, okay, well, it turns out I'm not pregnant, but I have Crohn's disease. And we're like, okay. Oh, wow. Those are opposite ends of the spectrum. Right. (laughs) And so that was it. Now, my brother has a different recollection. I would have to ask him again. He believes that it might have been later that she told us. However, I he was at home, um, you know, after I went to college, I went to college two years before he did. So I, who knows what happened? <laughs> anyway, so my mother has Crohn's. I never, ever heard anything else or remembered her talking about having bathroom problems. Um, She had a lot of COPD issues. I remember all of that. And until she died, I don't remember her ever talking about having Crohn's or being on any medicine or anything for that. So um, then I go along with my life and I'm in high school. That's when I started to have eating disorder um, issues. But at the same time, I started to have stomach issues and I thought back, I would call it IBS. I don't even know if that's what they would call it back then, but it was more with dairy products, but definitely I had intestinal issues. Um, And I just realized recently that, wow, why on earth did my parents not maybe equate that? Well, my mother has intestinal issues, maybe, you know, that's so um, baffling to me. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, um, there's no one really around to question, get more information about what was going on with my mom. Did her siblings have any issues that, you know, we can't go back to that history. So I had problems. Um, I didn't remember having problems in high school until my very good friend, Noreen, um, was posted. I don't know. She was sharing something that she found from college And in that, it was like a journal or something. I said, oh, I wish my intestines wouldn't hurt. So, well, there we go. I guess my intestines did hurt when I was in college. Very on brand for you. (laughs) Yes. And again, I I remember always have, you know, always one of the kids, I think you got, you and your sister would remember, we'd be on vacations, whatever. I'm like, I got to go to the bathroom and I'd be stuck in the bathroom. Um, There there are certain things I couldn't eat. Yeah. Certain eggplant stuff. Um, And so, but as with, I think a lot of things, you know, I, I don't know that I thought, it, oh, everybody must deal with this, but I didn't think it was something that you would treat. So then Michelle went through her 18 month or whatever it was journey to finally be <laughs> diagnosed. And I remember being in the doctor with her and talking to what was her name with the hair on <laughs> um, one of the nurses. And oh, um, yeah, <laughs> yes. And uh, she was great. And she, I was talking to her and I'm like, so I guess we can be graphic here. So it's not okay for the, you know, lettuce to come out in your poop looking like it 
did when I went in and it's not okay for it. I went into some specifics and they're like, no, and I'm like, ah, oh, man, I guess that I should be checked. Now, back in high school, actually, I'm now remembering, um, I, my parents, oh, wow, we might have to. Okay. So I, now I remember Michelle thinks it's amazing that I don't remember certain things. I was going to actually ask you about your <laughs> bowel surgery that you didn't include Wait. in the story too, but yes, go, go. So well, that what? didn't happen yet. Okay. So then I do remember having, um, a colonoscopy when I was in high school and it didn't show anything. Okay. Um, but that, you know, I, I don't, I didn't, I don't have colitis. So did I have Crohn's back then? And it just didn't show up. Did I not have it? I'm not sure. Right. Anyway, so it's 2015. Michelle, you're diagnosed. I go and get the test and they diagnosed me as well. I've obviously had it for more, for much longer than 2015. Mm -hmm. um, but I thank Michelle once again for being insightful enough and proactive enough and being such an advocate for her own health to persevere and, you know, get help, get the right, um, uh, diagnosis. And then, you know, I learned from her, <laughs> um, now as Michelle alluded to, um, I did have surgery in 97. So you were like six mm -hmm. and I had a rectal prolapse. I don't, think that I, I don't know I haven't asked about this I don't think it had anything to do with the Crohn's because that was my colon and um anyway so I have uh, like five inches of my colon removed then that um, sounds like that has to do with IBD or at least something yeah. related you know yeah but yeah but I, that was my lower I'm not sure and could that have irritated things to right. some degree because it's like your intestine is coming out of your body and they yeah take part of the way and push it back up you know I'm not really well, sure I, when we've talked about this in the past I think it's really interesting that no one took into consideration really the GI issues that you were having kind of looked at it from a holistic perspective it absolutely seems, yeah and I think that's indicative of the care that was happening at that time and is still happening today where it's very segmented you're at one doctor for one specific thing they treat it and then you know you go on your way instead of looking at all these potential components that are leading into this bigger issue right and it would be really interesting if we could go back and look at what my mom had look at me yeah. and my progression and find and with the tools and the tests and everything they have today figure out you know when did it start um and again could something have made it you know not not you know cured it because you can't do that but made it so it didn't get as bad as it is so. Yeah. Well, I, I think part of it too, would be just knowing about it so that you could talk about it and get help in the areas that, that you needed instead of just kind of suffering in silence and thinking, oh, this is normal. This must be how everyone feels. Um, and that, that kind of leads into as unlucky as it is that we are all suffering from IBD. Um, at least we have each other to lean on to chat about these things because it can be so isolating. So being able to say to your mom, okay, I am having cramps and I'm so exhausted. I can't get out of bed. Like, and you get it. 
And it's very hard to communicate with people who don't get it. So how do you feel as far as the support system? um, How, how do you feel it maybe is different when you're relying on your family members as a main uh, family members who are also sick as a main support system? So um, I I will get to that and sort of and a bit tying into that. So again, back when my mom, you know, was younger, when I was younger and everything, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have, I mean, obviously medical science has come a long way since then, but so has um, the general public's uh, ability to learn for themselves and maybe challenge doctors, which you have done. And I know that you've said to me, how did you not know this? Well, back then, you know, you trusted your doctor. You didn't, I mean, unless you really had some, went for a second opinion or you went to the library and looked stuff up, it wasn't, you know, really wasn't the same. So again, back for support, first off, you probably didn't even, you know, I didn't even know I had anything. You didn't talk about that stuff. Like these days we'll sit there and talk about poop at dinner and it's like normal for us. I don't think that's normal for most families, but, um, going to answer your question a little bit more directly. I find that as a mom, when my kids are in pain and hurting and I understand that they are, it's one thing when I truly understand, I always say in my gut, no pun intended in my gut, I really get where you're coming from because I feel it. it, you know, it makes me feel that I can be, more supportive because I really to my core level understand what you're going through and um the same when I explain hey I'm not feeling well today you know whatever um I need a later day or whatever and you guys completely understand and it is extremely hard to put adjectives to how some of this makes you feel and uh, you know when we talk to each other we understand right and even we don't even talk to my brother and and my niece that often but when we do we don't need I mean it's just a it's like a hidden language we we, yeah. we understand when you know we're, we're talking about different things and when uh oh I have to you know you and Steve both get infusions you get it um Marissa has to have a shot every periodically and you know so I think that, although it's, as you said, it's unfortunate that we all have this, it does make, it makes supporting you guys and being supported by you guys much, much easier. And I also feel that we all, you being the biggest advocate, but the rest of us, we, I mean, we talk about this with everybody with my my girlfriends, with people from work, from whatever, which I think also helps them like learn as well. I mean, there's been different times in my career where I've been explaining what's going on with me or whatever. I'm like, Oh, really? Oh, well I thought, and then they go to the doctor and find out, Oh my God, something's up with them. Or I've been on vacation (laughs) talking to people and I don't know how some of it uh, has, you know, panned out, but because we're so comfortable talking about it, we talk to other people, it makes them realize, oh, maybe what you're feeling isn't normal. Maybe you should get it checked out. That's a really, really good point. And I think from your perspective of going from it, not 
being normal to now being very normalized, you see that stark difference for me. I feel like it's just always kind of been, been normal. Um, so I, I don't think I noticed that as much. So that's a really, really interesting, um, perspective. Uh, so as a mom, uh, going through having a daughter, me <laughs> with digestive, <laughs> different digestive issues growing up, how do you feel like that may have mimicked your childhood situation of having IBS or IBD symptoms? And I, you had mentioned well, my mom had this, why didn't they do anything? So now I, it's the same kind of perspective, like, okay, well, my mom had this, why did we do anything different? So how do you feel like that kind of layered on generationally? Wow. Um, I, mm, I think that, you know, I gotta think about this a bit, but that, the big the change in society as i mentioned before was a huge game changer meaning people yeah social whether it's social media the internet what you know whatever that that access to extra information and people starting to talk about things that they would never talk about before like i, I don't could I have expected my parents to do anything different? Not knowing what they talked to my mom's doctor about, it's hard. Not knowing, did she even understand what she had? Right. That was the question I actually had for you earlier when you were saying that when she came to you and said, hey, if Crohn's disease, did you even know what Crohn's disease was? No, no. Yeah. And again, nothing else was talked about. Now, was nothing else talked about because- you don't want to talk about poop. I, you know, I don't know what the, I'm not, you know, we weren't, we're all so much more open these days and especially yeah. our family were ridiculously, ridiculously open. It wasn't that way back then. Um, so uh, I'm not, unless we had access to more information, I'm not sure that things would have been different. And even now looking on to how I could have looked at what you were going through. See, it's hard because imagine that you don't have IBD and your children, as they get older, is like, oh, I don't feel good today, mom. I don't want to go to school. Yeah. Yeah, Well, nobody wants to go to school. How do you deal with that? You know, what, when, and again, as a child and even as an adult, how are you? Oh, my stomach feels bad. Okay. Well, that's nice. Well, what, what specifically is going on? Well, let's see the quadrant here, which is my ilium hurts, which, you know, you don't get there. Yeah. Well, so, oh, sorry. Continue. No, I was just say, so that's why it's amazing. Hopefully your kids don't get this. Hopefully Amanda's kids don't get this. However, you guys are so informed. You are so on top of it that that's not going to happen with you guys. And when they say their stomach hurts, when they can talk more, then you can ask the questions, uh, which normally, you know, parent wouldn't be, okay, your stomach hurts, fine. Do you have a fever? No, you're going to school. Yeah. You know. it's, it's like we, we know what to look out for. So we're 
more hypersensitive to that. Um, but I think it's really interesting about the lack of resources. And I think the internet, as you've said, and social media play a huge role in that because I think, okay, when McKenna has had McKenna, my daughter, when she's had, uh, GI issues, the first thing I'm doing is Googling here's her symptoms. What could she (laughs) have? I'm looking on in my mom Facebook group and on Instagram to see, Hey, are there other moms who have gone through this? And that's where I've gotten a lot of information and felt very empowered to bring things up to the doctor. When in your experience, that must've been very difficult as a mom to see your kids struggling and you be struggling yourself and really having no idea no clue, no what clue. to do. Well, and it's, you know, you, you, we know with, with chronic illnesses and with IBD specifically through both of our experiences, it can manifest so differently in, in each person. So you could be saying, Hey, here are my symptoms. And it's so hard to, you know, pinpoint that, um, even with the diagnostic tools that we have now, it can be difficult. So I can't imagine years and years ago, right. How limited that was. Well, I just thought of something else. Okay. Here you are. You've got a daughter, you know, she's in the age where you need to talk to her about her period. She gets her first period and everything. And you talk about it. You know, this is what's going to happen. You're going to be crampy. And like, even when you started to have a little bad cramps, we talked about it and all that. How often do people just sit down and say, okay, honey, your poop is supposed to look like this. So does your poop like this look like this? Show me your poop every time so I can see if it's runny or if it's pebbly or whatever. Who has that discussion? We discuss people's periods more than that. And how would you know if you're a kid, you also want, don't, you don't know. Yeah. You just don't know. And That's like such a good point. And when, when your kids, like you had issues, Maddox has issues when they're constipated, you know, yeah. when they're little, when they're little, because, you know, you got diapers and you're dealing with that. Right. But when they're older, who, who talks about what's normal, unless you go online to see the nine shape, nine types of poop or whatever it is, you know, that, that is so interesting that you say that because now looking back, like even in our family where we were really open about things, I didn't even know that there was like an ideal kind of bowel movement until I went to the gastro who diagnosed me and I saw the yeah. chart on the wall and I was like, whoa, there's wow, I'm not different. Cool. Yeah. I'm like, wait, <laughs> there's different types of bowel movements. Like right. I never thought of that. And it's like, right. Who, who's like, okay, sweetie, what's your poop look like today? But like, is that a conversation that we should be having just like a conversation about your period or, you know, eating nutritious foods and adding fiber in your diet? Like, you know, like how how we make that more of a normalized conversation. And I don't know if I'm trying to think back when, when kids are young, when kids are, thank you. When kids are young, and their stomach hurts. Do we then say, what's your poop like? Yeah. Do you have diarrhea? And I think the only time that if, I mean, if I'm remembering correctly, that you would pay, you really paid attention to that much as if like, I don't know if they're throwing up. Yeah. Or if they're like, have the flu and maybe throwing up diarrhea. Other than that, I don't know when you had diarrhea right yeah. yeah 
man, that is, that's really interesting. So, and it's something that you don't talk to your friends about really either. So how do you know if it's normal or not? You don't. And how many kids are going to the GI, you know, or it's like, and I never, I can't remember, obviously it was years since I've been to a pediatrician, but I don't remember them asking me at the pediatrician, what are your bowel movements look like? Or eat popcorn. Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) But no, that's one. That's a good point. And the other thing that I think if you're in the community and you're aware, like for instance, uh, um, okay, you're, let's say you've got a preteen or whatever, and they eat milk and it doesn't go well, or then they have cheese and doesn't go well and all, you know, that, um, people who are in the know like us also know that it may not okay that might be an issue but just because you cut out that doesn't mean everything's going to get better yeah because it's not necessarily food related and ibs it is right much more well definitely much more so but and so yeah i'm if you're just an person not paying attention to that you say well just stop eating that and then everything will be fine and then you're a kid and you're like okay and, and then get better <laughs> and things aren't fine but you're like oh, I don't want to complain again well I, I that's that's a great point and then I think also to stem from that it's these other manifestations outside of just digestive issues so these other things oh. like the increased fatigue body aches the joint issues things like yeah. that that are sort of unexplainable and as an adult you can rationalize that but as a kid you don't know and you're like am I dying like what's what's going on um well as an parent you can you can rationalize it by and I just thought of some it's growing pains yeah. you had growing pains mm-hmm. was that growing pains? I think it actually right. was but it yeah. could have been you know well, I think about that too. And in, in, with kids and especially with teenagers, they feel like it's so quick to jump to the conclusion of it being a mental health issue. Like how many times, like, yes, I had nah. horrible anxiety. Yeah. I Not had horrible that. anxiety and I still have horrible anxiety, but for a while, because I had anxiety, all of my digestive issues, I feel like were pinned on anxiety and putting it in that bucket of mental health when maybe there was something else, there was something else that was part of it. And I think it's great that we have a huge focus on mental health now, but I, I can see a lot of, um, yeah, that, that could definitely mask it. Yeah. The research that I've done with, on eating disorders and, and IBD, a lot of the times, hold on, I'm going to recall, make sure I'm recalling this appropriately. Um, but the symptoms, the symptoms of IBD mimic the symptoms of an eating disorder. So one, so sometimes one can mask another. So that's something interesting that you had the eating disorder component in your story. I had the eating disorder component in my story. So it's, it would be interesting to see how that played into that development and how many, how many teenagers are having these issues and are misdiagnosed either one way or the other. Right. And again, we've talked about this so many times, the correlation or not correlation, whatever, between eating disorders and IBD. Yeah. Um, And at least they're starting to look at that, but there really isn't any information about it. And I think it's hugely important, especially 
for preteen, teen girls, others as well. But yeah. Yeah, definitely. Wow. This is a very productive conversation. I was just like, yeah, you're going to tell your story and, you know, we go from there, but this is great. Um, I have a couple follow-up questions for you. So mm-hmm. as a mom who has children with digestive issues, how do you cope with knowing the pain that your kids are in because you're going through that pain? And the reason I asked that is because we, you mentioned this earlier and when McKenna started to have GI issues, we don't know really what's going on yet, but I was so, I was like unable to get out of bed for a couple of days. Cause I was so distraught that she was going through this pain that I knew so well. Yeah. And it, it was one of the hardest things for me to wrap my head around. So as a mom, I feel like you do a really good job now of coping with it. How do you do that? Well, first off, you guys were teens when Amanda was what, 20 and you were, no, how? I was like 23, I believe. Yeah, she was 20. You were older, so it was easier. It wasn't easy. It was not the same as a little kid who doesn't understand that, who doesn't understand you guys understood you understood that you could get a bit of control around it so it was different however as you know as a mom and only moms know it breaks your heart there and i have a very unhealthy way of dealing with things sometimes where i just shut it off. Yeah. and i'm like i'm just not going to think about that yeah um but i'm trying to be better and feel and it's hard when you told me about mckenna I mean, I cried and I'm like, no, no. And um, so I, I'm not sure I have any advice because we're moms, our babies, no matter how old they are, are everything, absolutely everything to us. And to see you in pain, it's just, whether you're in pain because you're hurt, you know, you hurt yourself or, you know, financially something's going on or you had a fight with your husband or you know yeah. your car broke down <laughs> everything everything every time you go on a plane are they okay are they okay I, you yeah. know it's just part of the best job in the world and hardest job in the world you know yeah no that's that's really really well put i have nothing <laughs> <laughs> well i think i i feel like you didn't say an actionable thing after that, but I, for my takeaway from that is to, to talk about it with other moms because they are feeling that, that same way. And even if it's not exactly the same scenario, it, they are probably going through something similar and having a community of people that you can rely on and share and kind of, you know, commiserate with that. I think that that's, that's huge. And in, in your mental health as a mom too. Absolutely. I've always said to you guys, and I, I always have girlfriends, always, yeah. always, always have girlfriends. Um, and my, most of my girlfriends are moms as well. And we realize that we can't solve everything. And although, and as women, 
we, for some reason, feel like we need to be validated. Why just, you know, (laughs) and so just having, being able to talk to another mom and say, this is how I'm feeling and know that I'm not crazy. It's a valid feeling and I can't fix it. And just to to know there are other people who in their core understand that and are, are there for you. That's huge. I mean, that's, that's all you can ask for really. Yeah. But it's all you can ask for. I don't mean to minimize that at all. That's a, we're all so fortunate that we do have those relationships. Yeah. Because that's what gets us through. Yeah. And I think to kind of go back to one of our previous conversations, the power of social media these days can help bring together people who maybe your girlfriend isn't, you know, living next door to you or, or in your neighborhood, but you're able to have these relationships with other moms online that you have these similarities with. And then I think whether you're able to meet up in person or just, you know, speak virtually, I, that's really powerful too. Um, and I think that's, yeah, that's something that I personally have leaned on a lot. Well, it's huge because I mean, I'm fortunate that, um, I mean, I pretty, I'm in the area where I pretty much grew up. And so I have girlfriends who've been, we've been friends for 40 years. I mean, and we may not see each other all the time, but it doesn't matter. We're there for each other. And when we get together, it's like no time's passed. Yeah. Not everybody has that. So being able to reach out and you you can't just go to the grocery store and find somebody to connect with. Um, And again, it's harder as you get older to make friends Um, and to actually, you know, as you say, being a, it's even more important, I think for people, certain people who are not surrounded by, you know, their family and friends they grew up with and stuff like that. It's huge to have that social media. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Well, and even this is kind of on a a bit of a tangent. I feel like we could do a whole podcast episode on this, but, um, during COVID, especially like I, I became a mom during COVID and I, prior to that, I thought, okay, yeah, I'm going to take my kids to activities and go to the park and meet other mom friends and find this community of people to relate with. And obviously that didn't happen. So now the majority of people that I have met since becoming a mom, because a lot of my, my friends before they don't have kids yet. So a lot of these newer friends that I've met, I've met online or met through the advocacy work that I've done. And then that it's built this community and I've been able to meet people that are close in proximity to me, but then there's also people that I would have never been able to connect with. So I think that has a whole different component to it too. Um, with the COVID generation, I guess. Yeah. Well, and also I think this has happened to you before too. I mean, not necessarily having to do with COVID issue, but um, you being out there, you have, there are people who you knew in high school that you weren't friends with or whatever, they've reached out and then, you know, you have another, a different connection that you never did. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Well, Thank you so much. This is an incredibly insightful conversation. Any, any parting words that you want to leave with? Um, well, I can just say, especially with Mother's Day being this weekend, um, 
I couldn't be a prouder mom. I'm going to cry. And I'm so glad that you get to celebrate Mother's Day too, because you've got the best kids, my grandkids. And so, and thank you. And Michelle, really, seriously, I'm really proud of all that you're doing. A lot of people would not put out their story as honestly, authentically, genuinely as you have. And it, I know it helps people. Absolutely. And yeah, again, as a mom, I couldn't be prouder. And thanks for letting me be part of this. Well, thank you so much. You're going to make me cry. Um, (laughs) But I, I'm so happy that you were interested in, in participating in this in honor of Mother's Day. You've been an incredible inspiration for me going through my diagnosis, my healing journey, um, dealing with mental health, going through motherhood, really with everything. And I, I don't know how I would do it without you by my side, literally every step of the way. So I <laughs> appreciate you. There are no words to describe how much I appreciate you and how great of an impact you you've had. So thank you so much. <laughs> All right, everyone, that was our special Mother's Day podcast episode with my mom, Diane Shenley. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and I hope you are celebrating all the moms in your life. And if you are a mom, I hope you get a chance to relax and do whatever makes you happy. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there, and I will talk to you next week.